Feels like Back to the Future 2, but this isn't an alternate 1985. This is just March. This is March. This is Stuffed Episode 4. And like we have described in the last couple of episodes, we have a very high bar on this show. And this is the first show that we are doing in the greatest month that we have on the calendar. And as I've always stated, it is the goal of this show to give the college basketball fan the best coverage that he or she can get on a regular basis. And you think about the idea of transcending a space, and you think about the great speeches that we have had in our great country's history. President Kennedy being sworn into office, some of the great words of Dr. Martin Luther King during his memorable life. And that brought me on the ride over to the studio today to some thoughts of one of Al Pacino's most underrated performances, the speech that he made at a funeral in the movie City Hall in the mid-1990s. And in that scene, Pacino hit on fighting back and not going down a certain way, and it got me to thinking. I refuse for the college basketball fan to not have the best coverage on stuff moving forward throughout the month of March. And we're going to give it to you from soup to nuts. Another thing Al Pacino said, he chooses to fight back. And we choose to fight back because we're not talking about kickball right now. We are talking about the greatest thing that we have in sports, the NCAA tournament. And on this show, I am determined to bring you coverage, nuggets, and all sorts of exclusives that you cannot get anywhere else. And the great thing about the NCAA tournament, the great thing about college basketball, no one player, no one figure is above the sport. And that goes back to what Pacino said as well. You cannot get where you hope to get in life if there are kings and queens and dukes and earls. And if that is the case, then we are just sheep being herded to the final slaughterhouse. The NCAA tournament is the greatest thing we have in sports. And whether you like it or you don't like it, it's the best thing going today. What do we need to know leading up to the Field of 68 that will be released on Selection Sunday? Let's check the menu. But before that, remember this. This is March. Here's what we got coming up on today's menu. We're going to do our coach's call with Arizona State head coach Bobby Hurley. We'll also chat with Creighton sharpshooter Mitch Ballack and check in with Merrimack head coach Joey Gallo as part of our Hustle Mania hotline and also give you some late-night snacks and nuggets you can't get anywhere else in college basketball. Now, let's hit some of the headlines in the New York Minute. All right, let's look right now at some of the big stories in college basketball. Obviously, at the forefront of things leading up to Selection Sunday, the four projected number one overall seeds for the 2020 NCAA tournament, Kansas, Baylor, Gonzaga, and San Diego State, don't look likely to change between now and Selection Sunday. The one team that could potentially fall off the one line would be San Diego State, and that obviously hinges on whether or not the Aztecs lose in this week's Mountain West Conference Tournament in Las Vegas. Now, the team that could usurp the Aztecs on the one line if San Diego State did indeed lose this week is Dayton. The Flyers only have two losses and have ripped through the Atlantic 10 like a chainsaw through butter, but it's also important to point out that Dayton 
has only one win against a team that's a lock right now to be in the field of 68. That was a victory over St. Mary's on a neutral court earlier in the season. The Atlantic 10 right now, inside of two weeks away from Selection Sunday, only has one team, and that's Dayton, as a lock to be in the field of 68. The NCAA tournament is always a canvas where stars can paint and paint in a major way, coming from nowhere and becoming national names. And the guy I think that's primed to be a massive star during the month of March is BYU's Yoli Childs. And I know that the college basketball fan knows about Childs, especially after what BYU did a couple of weeks ago to Gonzaga and their win in Provo. But in his last three games, Childs is averaging just over 29 points and just under 12 rebounds. This is a guy who America could fall in love with during the month of March in the NCAA tournament. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a little bit of a nosh right now. All these basketball talks, all this stuff about the NCAA tournament has me excited for a little bit of lunch. Let's call up the dino. Let's get some stuff in. Hey, how you doing? I like to place an order for delivery. Just the uh, the stuff studio. I'll take some chicken fingers, some fries, and uh, that salmon salad I like so much that you made a couple of weeks ago. All right. All right, we'll see you in about 20 to 30. Thanks, man. Always good to know that food is on the way. Also good to know that we've got you covered here at Stuffed. And with the NCAA tournament looming, here's some stuff to help you stay sharp with our friends at PointsBet. It's time now to stay sharp, presented by PointsBet. And don't forget when you sign up to use the promo code STUFFED. March is here. College basketball is heating up, and with the big tourney around the corner, it's the perfect time to start betting with PointsBet Sportsbook. They've got the fastest sports betting app in the world, and they have some promos that will blow your mind for the tournament. Listeners in New Jersey and Iowa can download the PointsBet app and sign up with the code STUFFED. If you deposit $10, you'll get $100 in bonus bets, and if you're in Indiana, PointsBet is coming to your state right before the tournament, so don't miss out. Now let's take a look at some of the most efficient offenses in the 2020 college basketball season. Tied for fourth is Iowa out of the Big Ten. They've been sensational with Luca Garza anchoring things in the paint. Meanwhile, also in fourth place is Creighton, who we have hit on in this show throughout the last couple of weeks. Greg McDermott, one of the great offensive minds in the sports. Creighton appointment television tied with Iowa for fourth. In third place, we have LSU, coached by the American gangster himself, Will Wade. LSU at times may look like it signs a non-compete on the defensive end of the floor, but the Tigers are as good as almost anybody offensively in college basketball. In the three spot, also tied, we have BYU, led by the triumvirate of Yoli Childs, Jake Toulson, and TJ Hawes. Again, this is a second weekend-type team in the NCAA tournament. Now, in second position, you have the Dayton Flyers, who have been sensational this year, playing around Obi Toppin, a bona fide first-team All-American and National Player of the Year candidate. And in first position the Gonzaga Bulldogs one of the more potent offenses that we've seen in quite some time scoring from all angles big men who can shoot guards who can post up Mark Few's team has everything and a reminder when you sign up with the promo code for points bet you stuffed Time now for our coach's call, and we're going to bring in a coach of one of the hottest teams in college basketball, even though he didn't get the results he wanted last week in Southern California. The head man for the Arizona State Sun Devils is Bobby Hurley. And, Bob, before we get to basketball, I know from a very good source that Bobby Hurley does not believe in eating on game days. Has that held up this season? Yeah, 
John, do, do you eat on game days? or, or do I you mean, eat? I ate 365 no? days a year. You know that better than anybody. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So it's just a part of my rituals, you know, my routines. I have, I have a million of these things that I do on game days and leading into games. So yeah, I don't, I do not eat. I think that it, it, it makes my brain work better. Um, I, I'm not weighted down by food or fatigued by having a big meal and, and I can concentrate on, on, uh, on coaching. All right. Well, what are your other game day routines if not eating is one? I mean, I'll, I'll go out um, before the game, about one hour before to watch warm-ups. Not a lot of head coaches go out on the court prior to the game. Uh, I then have a very strict routine of, of shaving and getting changed. Because I shaved for this interview, but usually I would not shave between our game on Saturday until until Thursday because we play Thursday this week. And uh, it kind of builds my, you know, just my mental mindset. You know, the guys look at me with the rugged beard look, and, and they know that I'm ready for, for the battle. Did you go with the rugged beard look before you lost yourself in the wilderness and the beauty of the desert that exists when you coach in Tempe, Arizona? Well, that was that was an interesting, you know, lead-in there, all, all those all those beautiful words. And, geez, I think you've been listening to, to Bill Walton. <laughs> Funny. Now, another thing I've heard about you is that you have really lost yourself in the Peloton. That is a big source of exercise for Bobby Hurley. How much is it imperative to do things like that when you're tied down with the stress of being a head coach in the Pac-12? Yeah, I think you, you need you need your body and your mind to be working together and be on the same page. And, you know, me getting a workout is, is, is paramount. You know, I have uh, I've had some issues with my knees. I was a runner. I love to run outside, you know, with the beautiful scenery out here in, in Arizona. But that's kind of been taken away from me. But the Peloton is, has been a real, a real plus. There's a lot of different style of rides that you can have, and it, it gets you get a great workout in, John. All right, Bob, let's get to basketball right now. You know, we have seen Arizona State play in each of the last two NCAA tournaments, and you're on track to play in a third straight NCAA tournament in a couple of weeks. This, to me, looks like the best team you've had at Arizona State. I know you didn't get the results you wanted last week at UCLA and USC, but what is the biggest reason why this team could advance farther in the NCAA tournament than the last two you coached? I think my first tournament team, we, we might have peaked too early and, and we were just trying to hold on. I think uh, last year's team ha had had some minor flaws, I think particularly with our three-point shooting. We, we've managed to fix that to some degree with, with Alonzo Verge, Remy Martin, Rob Edwards, you know, making shots for us. So that, that's kind of changed some things. And, and I just like the resilience and, and the grit our team has shown from, you know, I think we were 12 and 8 and then and running seven straight off and and two of those, two of our last three losses came at the buzzer. So we've been really, you know, really good in close games. Well, you know about guard play better than anybody because you were a great point guard at Duke when you won back-to-back -back national championships. But you touched on Remy Martin. And for the people that have watched Remy Martin in the last couple weeks, you're starting to see a player that could emerge as a national name during the NCAA tournament. What has allowed him to make the jump this season that he's made? He's just, he works on his game relentlessly this off season. He was getting up at like 4 a.m. and he was in the weight room and, you know, he put on some, some good weight and, you know, he's just, he's naturally progressed, worked on his game. His decision-making has, has improved dramatically. It's just amazing just to talk to coaches, you know, leading into games 
wow, Remy Martin, you know, I'm, I'm hearing more coaches acknowledge just how good he is and, and the type of season he's having. Well, Remy Martin is obviously, you know, one of the top two or three players in the Pac-12, but his running mate now, Rob Edwards, has emerged in the last two weeks as a big-time shot maker. He's 16 of 33 from three over his last four games. What changes for Arizona State when Rob Edwards shoots the ball the way he has of late? I think it opens things up for, for Remy Martin and for Alonzo Verge to penetrate. And, and then there's just another weapon out there, even as it gives more space for a guy like Romello White to operate inside. And he's uh, Romello doesn't get the credit that some of these other guys are getting, but he's nearly averaging a double-double and he's, he's very consistent. And, uh, but, but Rob is, you know, he went through some struggles early in the year. And I'm just proud of how he's responded and, how he's finishing his career here at Arizona State. You know, Bob, you dealt with something the last two years that no coach should ever have to deal with during the month of March, and that's being on the bubble. As excited as you are to play in the NCAA tournament and have a chance to advance and win a couple of rounds, how much more exciting is it that right now you're not projected to sit through championship week up to Selection Sunday as a team on the Look, bubble? <laughs> you yeah, I, I don't. I don't take anything for granted, John. This is another big week, you know, and, and uh, it's nice that we're so close. And there, there are a few scenarios out there that if we did run the table this week, that we would have a chance to get a share at a Pac-12 championship. So that's still what's on my mind. And then there are more important things in terms of seeding. You know, getting a getting in the top four in our conference would, would get us a seed and uh, a buy in the first round of Pac-12 tournament. You know, Bob, the one thing I've always admired about you is that you have been and you were the best point guard in the history of college basketball, and that's something that you never talk about. But I'm curious, if you could turn back the clock, why would Bobby Hurley, the player, want to play for Bobby Hurley, the head coach? Uh, I, I would say most likely, you know, you want to play for someone that has great passion for what they do, that that uh, that, that instills confidence in, in, in his team, that, that coaches would fire, that fights for his team, that, you know, I think puts together a, a, um, a plan to allow guys to showcase their, their talent. To I'm not a type of coach that's going to hold our players back. If there's anything, I, I might give too much freedom to our guys. Uh, but, you know, I trust them. They put the work in. We practice hard. And then, and then we, uh, you know, we have a good style. I think we have an exciting style where, you know, we're top 30 in the country in pace of play. So we like to get up and down the floor. We, you know, we play hard. We, we defend. We, we create turnovers. And, and we try and get in the open court. So I think that's, you know, really attractive for, for our players uh, to play in, in, in that style. All right, final thing. As you know, food is a big part of my life. It's also a big part of this show. I know you don't eat during the season, but if Bobby Hurley had to have one meal, what would it be? Where would it be? All right, I, so I can't say for certain, like, and, and know how it is today currently, but uh, if you get a, a, a Poggiofino, at at Lakos in Jersey City, it, it, it'll change your life. It was, uh, you know, it's 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 like a vodka sauce with, with lobster and shrimp, and, and it's unbelievable. Louis Laco was one of the, one of the legends of Jersey City, and uh, just a terrific man. You know, John, when I played high school basketball at St. Anthony, we had to we had to raise five hundred dollars each kid in, in our ad book. So we had to walk the neighbor, scour the neighborhoods to go and ask businesses for to take an ad for St. Anthony High School. So I had to get my quota of 500 or I wasn't going to play in these tournaments. And and Louis Laco was always a guy that, that took that ad for me before Bobby Hurley became Bobby Hurley. And 
I used to go back there and, and spend a lot of time talking with Louis Lakos. So Lakos in Jersey City is big time. All right, well, Bobby Hurley threw one of the most famous assists in the history of college basketball in the 1991 National Championship game in the Grand Hill. This one might have been equally as important because I know now where I'm going for lunch. Bobby Hurley, the head coach of Arizona State, <laughs> thanks for joining us here on our Coach's Call on Stuffed. Great being with you, John. Time now for our social media portion of the show where you send me your questions here on Twitter and I respond to them with my answers. It's called don't at me, bro, but you are adding at me by sending them to me. Anyway, let's get at it. First question comes from jmacri728, and it's John. How many teams get in from the Big East? I got seven. I agree with you. I think with what Ed Cooley has done over the last couple weeks, Providence is right now in firm position to make the NCAA tournament, which is amazing considering that the Friars early in the year lost to Penn, Charleston, and Long Beach State. Our next question comes from Kyle Bolton. It's John. What does Frank Martin and the Gamecocks have to do to be in the big dance? Well, in a short answer, Kyle, win down the stretch and then do damage in the SEC tournament. And one big thing to keep in mind, when the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee evaluates an at-large team for the NCAA Tournament, they look at your whole body of work. South Carolina lost home games early in the season to Stetson and Boston University. Those losses don't go away. Our next question comes from Lewis Acklin, and it's John. Is Io DeSunmoon all Big Ten first-teamer at this point? What's he done since that knee injury is incredible? This is March. Lewis, we thank you for the This is March shout-out because this is March. To me, Io DeSunmoon is clearly an all Big Ten first-team player, but I want to make a statement about that. So many times this time of year, you will see different conferences put more than one player on all conference teams. What is the point of that? This isn't kickball where everybody gets a medal. Five players on an all-conference team, one player of the year. That's simple. John Rothstein here with his Rothstein reaction after wow. another phenomenal college basketball game from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the Wells Fargo Center where the Fortune 500 company Villanova Basketball Wildcats took on Ed Cooley and the Providence Friars. Luan Pipkins, the transfer who was supposed to make all the changes, finally stepped up, making Jared Bynum a thing of the future. <laughs> this is still only February. Well, we appreciate the authenticity of that message. Obviously, this is now March that was taken in February. But Luan Pipkins is a great mention right there because the grad transfer from UMass has been huge for Providence over the last couple weeks, a big reason why the Friars are now in the NCAA tournament picture. Next question comes from Nico Del Frate, and it's John with the way with the things Clemson has done this year and the way they're currently playing, is it crazy to think that they could possibly be a bid stealer in the ACC tournament? Clemson has done a great job this year, broke the streak at North Carolina winning a game there. But you have to remember as well, the wins that Clemson had against Florida State, against Louisville, against Duke, all came at home at Little John. Clemson will not play the ACC tournament at home. I think it's highly unlikely that Clemson steals a bid at the ACC tournament. Our next question comes from Scott TBT account, and it's John. Are the 12 seeds still the most dangerous set of teams come March? Could some A-10 team slide in as a 13 or 14 seeds and make a run? Good point here by Scott, because last year, St. Louis got the automatic qualifier out of the Atlantic 10, got a double-digit seed in the NCAA tournament, and wound up 
as a double-digit seed. They lost to Virginia Tech, a Virginia Tech team under Buzz Williams that went to the Sweet 16. To me, St. Louis, after watching them win at Rhode Island on Sunday, is a team that, again, has a chance to be a bid stealer. They've got great size up front and two grizzled college players in Jordan Goodwin and Hassan French that have been through the battles, played in the NCAA tournament last year. Not a great shooting team, but St. Louis, to me, is a potential bid stealer again at the Atlantic 10 tournament. This next question comes from Timbo Manzel. And John, can Peyton Pritchard single-handedly bring Oregon to the Final Four? Also, Pauline's Deli at LaSalle University. Best breakfast in the game. We appreciate the breakfast recommendation. Peyton Pritchard has, I think, as good of a chance as any guard in this 2020 NCAA tournament to do what Kemba Walker did in 2011, to do what Shabazz Napier did in 2014 at UConn. I will say this, though. Front-court scoring remains an issue for Oregon. It's been an issue all season long. The Ducks have moved around pieces up front like a game of musical chairs. Oregon, to me, I wouldn't be surprised if they make the second weekend. If they get to an Elite Eight, I would be surprised considering how this season has gone in Eugene. Ooh, lunch. Spectacular. There we go. Mm, love the smell of fresh chicken tenders and a nice salad with a little salmon. A little chicken, little salmon. Can't beat that. Now let's check in for dime time with Creighton Sharpshooter, Mitch Ballack. All right, we're now welcomed by one of the top shooters in college basketball, sharpshooter for the Creighton Blue Jays, Mitch Ballack. But Mitch, before we get to basketball, you are a native of Kansas City, and you recently saw the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl. What was that like for a kid from KC? Oh, it was unbelievable. Obviously, with... I mean, 50 years, uh, 50 years running. We haven't, we haven't been there. We haven't won one. So uh, we went to the AFC championship game. Uh, my teammates and I actually, Coach Mack let us take the trip down there. So we went to the AFC championship game, and it was probably one of the craziest sporting events I've ever attended. It was unbelievable. Well, if you're a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs, you're obviously a fan of Patrick Mahomes. But my well-embedded moles tell me that Mitch Ballack has got a pretty big Rolodex. I hear you're pretty tight with Steph Curry. What is the Mitch Ballack-Steph Curry relationship like? Uh, honestly, I haven't talked to Steph in a few years. Uh, when I was coming up in high school, uh, we had a good relationship. He, would, I, I kind of pick his brain and text him just to about anything he'd say he gave me his number if you need anything let me know and then I remember I was in Oklahoma City when he played the Thunder and he left me my friends and I some tickets and then he came to Kansas City for a for an exhibition game and he left my family some tickets and hung around for 45 minutes after the game just talking to us and just kind of talking about whatever and I mean I texted him about his family when he had his I think it was his second kid and he's just really open really outgoing dude and but since then I mean I haven't talked he I haven't talked to him in a couple of years now, so just kind of leave, leave him be and let him win, let him win, do what, he, do what he does. But you're obviously an aspiring basketball player. You're a star in the Big East. You're a double-digit scorer for a team that has a chance to go far in the NCAA tournament. What's the biggest thing you learn from being around Steph Curry that you've implemented into your own lifestyle as you aspire to continue to get better at basketball? Uh, just the level of preparation. Um, everybody sees what what he does off the court and on the court. Uh, I mean, everybody sees him shooting 30-footers, and, I mean, his skill set's just on a whole nother level, um, especially for his size. He's not very he's not very physically gifted. Uh, I mean, average he is, but not, not in the NBA. 
so when you see the preparation and everything he puts into the game, uh, especially in the film room, uh, I didn't realize he watched that much film. Uh, he understands how to get to his spots and what works on the defensive end and on the offensive end. And then he just keeps elevating his game with his trainers. So it's really cool just to see his everyday approach uh, to everyday life, whether it's whether it's coming to breakfast, being on time to the gym, uh, getting your work in and, and just watching all those things. Uh, it was really cool just to see how a pro and a guy at that level, uh, obviously one of the one of the best guards in the game, uh, just to see how he takes his approach to everyday life was just off the charts. And I learned a lot from that. Well, and part of any successful athlete or anybody in life is people who can move forward to the next task after not performing their best. Your team did not play its best on Sunday in a loss against St. John's. What was the dialogue like in Creighton's locker room after that defeat? Uh, after the game, I mean, games like that happen. You try to avoid them. Uh, but Coach Mack said something at the beginning of the year. He's like, a third of the games you play really well. A third of the games you, you don't play your best, but you got to figure out to win. And then a third of your games, you, you you have games like St. John's. But as long as you can figure out ways, other ways when shots aren't falling and stuff like that to impact the game and win the game, then we try and do that. Obviously, St. John's was a tough one and we, we fell. But the dialogue in the, in the locker room was like, it, it doesn't kill us, you know, like in perspective. Obviously, we wanted to win the game. We, we wanted to be in the driver's seat in the Big East. But we're still in a good position right now going forward in the postseason play. Hopefully, we can finish these two games off the way we want and kind of just a just a head up mentality, like on to the next one, uh, learn from it and just take things from it. Don't don't completely push it under the rug, but learn a couple things and, and be better next time. So that's basically what the dialogue was. You know, you mentioned Creighton head coach Greg McDermott, who has solidified himself over the last decade as one of the top offensive minds in our sports. What's the best thing for playing for him at Creighton? Yeah, uh, I talk about him all the time on the offensive. He's unbelievable. Um, playing for him, he, he, he's a really good player's coach. Like if I have something to say and I see something then I can go to him with it and he has that trust in me and I have that trust in him that we, we can have that conversation mid game or, or after the game or before the game, like, hey, I think this will work and he'll implement that. Uh, also just the free freestyle, free flow of offense. He allows us just to be basketball players. We're not, we're not robotic. We're not like running through plays in the system. We're, we're all just kind of using our abilities to the best of our ability and playing off one another's strengths. And I think when we do that, we can, we're, we're at our best and we, and coach Mack allows us a lot of freedom to do so. Well, you know, you mentioned obviously that he's one of the great offensive coaches in the sport and he gives you a lot of freedom, but for those things to work at a high level, you still need really good players. And in addition to yourself on Creighton's perimeter, you've got two terrific guards in Marcus Zagorowski and Tyshawn Alexander. Why has this trio been so in sync together this season? Uh, I would say the number one reason is just no one has their own agenda. Uh, our agenda is for the for the betterment of the team and for the success of the team. Uh, no one really is going out there. No one has an ego. No one's going out there trying to get 20 points. It just happens in the flow of the offense. And when you have guys that are that are gifted offensively and have the ability to get to different spots and score from three, three levels like those two guys, it kind of opens up the floor for the rest of us. And when you have guys like that are leaders and who aren't hunting shots and hunting scoring, then you can play off them well and, and then our strengths come uh, our strengths come together and it, it's really a thing of beauty when we're playing that way. And when you have guys like that are leaders who, who play for one another, it's, I mean, stuff like that, just, it happens. It's fun to play. 
You know, you mentioned a thing of beauty, Mitch, and that's an interesting term because you're a player I've noticed covering the last couple of years that can go 10 of 10 from three in one game, go one of 10 for three the next game, and you're not going to be inhibited taking your next shot. What allows Mitch Ballack to play without a conscience each and every time he steps on the floor? Uh, I learned that probably my freshman year. Um, I was up and down a lot my freshman year, and Marcus Foster did a really good job uh, on the court and off the court just kind of with that no conscience mentality, like always the next shot's always going in and I would always, I mean, I'd miss shots and he'd, he'd just be like, shoot the next one. Like he'd always put that confidence in me. And then on top of that, my coaching staff does an unbelievable job of just like Coach Mack, if it's a 30 footer and I'm open, like he gets mad if I don't shoot it. And uh, I was going through that my freshman year. If I wouldn't shoot open shots, he started taking me out. So then I was trying to figure out, like I was trying to get to that confidence level and, and not, hunting shots but not taking bad shots and, and find that fine line of taking good shots versus bad shots so my coaching staff has done an unbelievable job and then I have unbelievable support for, through my three years of guys on the court that I play with that just give you that confidence to shoot the ball so I just keep doing it well that's obviously something that's resonated throughout the season you're 22 and 7 even after Sunday's loss against St. John's what's the biggest thing that has to happen between now and obviously selection Sunday for Creighton to be a team that nobody's going to want to play in the NCAA tournament uh, I think we just have to stay stay on the course and and stay in love with the process. Like uh, Coach Max hit on uh, falling in love with the process months ago, and we we did that and we followed the process and we got to the level of where we're at now, um, twenty two and seven. Like you said, like I don't think that's doable without focusing on every little detail along the way during the process. So as long as we keep doing that and just take it a game at a time and don't really look as long as we don't look to selection Sunday and just get better every day up to selection Sunday, I think we'll be one of those teams that no one wants to, no one wants a part of. So, well, final thing here, Mitch, food is a very big deal on this show. If there was one meal Mitch Ballard could have, where would it be? What would it be? That's a good one. Uh, probably, between there's a place called Mahogany in Omaha and there's a place called Jay Gilbert's. They have unbelievable steaks. Uh, I'd say the texture. I mean, you could cut the cut the steak out of mahogany with a butter knife. Like that's the kind of thing. And and there's no better steaks in Omaha. I mean, I don't, the East Coast, West Coast, nothing compares to Omaha steaks. So I'd say steaks, mashed potatoes, and asparagus are one of those spots. And I'm I'm good to go. Mitch Ballack, I'm still looking for my, spot. I'm still looking for my Omaha T-shirt. You got one? Omaha, somewhere in middle America. It spreads to middle America. Mitch, I'm going to send a text out right now to my people. We will get you that shirt. Hopefully you'll sport it during the Big East tournament. But, Mitch, congratulations on a great season. You know, keep doing your thing, and we thank you for dining with us here on Stuffed. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Beautiful little lunch right here. Some nice chicken tenders. Can't have these too often or else it loses its value. Little ketchup, little dipping. Gotta have something to dip with, you know what I mean? Never understood the people who eat stuff plain. Now again, I was like that for a long time, but I like to think that in my old age, I've gotten a little bit more versatile with my menu. That's America right there. All right, let's see some of these elevator pitches. Mark Few. He gets all the results without all the extracurriculars. Mark Few. More bite than bark.
A movie buff like you must love the 80s science fiction movie they live. Now, how can you incorporate that into one of your quotes? How about this? How about a team that kicks more ass than anybody else? Gonzaga basketball. All out of bubblegum. We sleep in bad. Love the passion. I love the fact that this guy is sending us an elevator pitch in a Steve Beichel pounding nails t-shirt. And I like what I heard from Gonzaga. Need to check on that 80s movie. It's not a go-to. It's not obviously Cocktail or Back to the Future or anything else in that decade. But I like the passion. I like the authenticity. Well done. All right, time now for our weekly edition of the Hustle Mania Hotline, where we highlight one program that has shined above the rest when it comes to doing the gritty things in college basketball. We are now joined by Merrimack head coach Joe Gallo, who led his team to an NEC regular season title in its first season in Division One. Joe, how'd you do it? Well, I was actually just looking at our, our schedule, trying to figure out the date, and and uh, when we lost, like. 20 plus at on November 6th. Uh, I don't think any of us would have thought this would happen. Um, but I, yeah, I had a really good veteran group mixed with some some really good freshmen, and uh, you know we had great success in the Division II level. And over time, that that success uh, continued to show. You know, we won a lot of close games, and uh, these guys were in those close games years prior. So um, win by win, and guys started to believe more, and then. You know, with about six, eight games to go with, with a two-game lead in the conference, it, it really uh, became even more real. So uh, it was just a heck of a run. Now, one of the trade-offs when you're making your transition to Division One is you can't go to the postseason. How bittersweet is it, even though you won the league, to not be able to play in the playoffs this year in the Northeast Conference? Yeah, you know, it is um, – It'll, it'll hit us a little more here as we're watching some of these other guys, you know, compete and play against each other. But uh, the unique part about winning the regular season championship is we almost had our March Madness. You know, we had our, uh, you know, two-game lead with six games to go when we talked about being in a double elimination tournament, which you guys have all been in in, in your AAU tournaments, um, to, to do something that, that's never been done before. Uh, you know, and then we, we could have clinched at Mount St. Mary's and, and we didn't play so well down at their place. So... Uh, we got a redo in that last game and we were able to, to bring it home. So we have, we've had plenty of big games to play for. You know, I think you know, even when you do have March, uh, I always talk to our guys, even in Division Two, if you put your, your yourself in a chance to be in big, meaningful games in February, uh, that's all we can ask for. And uh, we were in some pretty meaningful ones. Well, obviously you came from nowhere to be one of the great stories of this college basketball season. Now you're going to be a team in bold print moving forward when it comes to your own league. How do you sustain this level of success moving forward at Merrimack? You know, um, you know, good players always help. You know, we're, we're losing a, a really good senior class. <laughs> you know, Javaris Hayes, uh, who we're losing, is arguably the, the, the best player in, in school history. Um, but you know what? We, we have a unique system um, on both sides of the ball, and we don't deviate from it much. And, and, you know, our guys, you know, can get better because we go outside of what we do. So, you know, each week that goes by, guys get better in our system, and uh, we are who we are. We don't deviate from it. And, you know, I think if you talk to other coaches in the league, we're kind of a pain in the neck to play against because of our style. And uh, we're going to just continue to do that and continue to recruit our type of kids, and, and hopefully the success continues. 
Well, final thing, Joe, as you know, food is a very big thing on this show. If Joey Gallo could have one meal, where would it be? What would it be? It would be a, uh, I might go to your spot, Vincent's. <laughs> I think I'd go Vincent. Um, I'd go uh, sweet sauce, spicy on the side to dip the bread in. Um, definitely some meatballs. Yeah. But if you ever come up this way, we got um, uh, we got a, uh, a joint called Harrison's Roast Beef up here in North Andover. Uh, best roast beef sandwich you could have. All right. Well, Merrimack head coach Joey Gallo, we appreciate you being our guest on the Hustle Mania Hotline here on Stuffed. Thanks for having me. You got it. And obviously a great reference there to Vincent's Clam Bar in Carl Place, Long Island, a place we may need to visit soon here on the show. But for now, yeah. let's get to some late night snacks. Time now for some late-night snacks you can't get anywhere else in college hoops. But first, a late-night snack from my Hulkamania lunchbox right here. Always the best. Got to count on the guy that brought me to my lowest point as a sports fan or sports entertainment fan with a little guac, of course. WrestleMania 6, April 1st, 1990. Still haven't gotten over it. But luckily for me, food has helped soften the blow. Little chips and guac. Oh. Crunchy and just right. So some late-night snacks. One of the great stories in college basketball right now has been the resurgence of Texas guard Andrew Jones. Has battled leukemia for a large part of the last couple of years. Entering Texas's game against Oklahoma on Tuesday night, he had scored 21 points or more in three of his previous four games. This is an unbelievable story and definitely one that anybody can take a bite out of. Meanwhile... A lot of people didn't want to take a bite out of Virginia Styles the last couple of years because they said it was boring. But defense is again leading Virginia back into the NCAA tournament picture. The Cavaliers are now on a six-game winning streak. In those six games, Virginia's opponents are only scoring an average of 55.8 points per game. And lastly, Iowa, very discreetly I might add, switched to a new lineup in Saturday's win over Penn State featuring a four-guard look this should allow Luca Garza, who I believe firmly is the National Player of the Year, to play with better spacing, get more isolation opportunities. And in that game, in that victory over Penn State, the Hawkeyes had 22 assists on 28 made field goals. Hmm. Flows so well to guac. Very easy to go down the throat. So those are your nuggets, your late-night snacks. You can't get anywhere else. But there's more on the way. If you love food... If you love college basketball, this is a one-stop shop for you, not just for the college basketball season, but for beyond. But meanwhile, for the next five weeks, up until the conclusion of the NCAA tournament, this is like an all-you-can-eat buffet. Now, we don't ever plan to stop refilling the place. Whether you like it or you don't like it, college basketball is the best thing going today. Follow us on social media. I'm at John Rothstein on Twitter and at John.Rothstein on Instagram. This is March, America. You better buckle up. If you like this episode, give us a thumbs up. Click here to subscribe. Guys, great job back there as always. My man, Gaff, everybody, Pat, Dave, Jay, everybody in the back room. You guys are crushing it. But I got to tell you, we got the Mountain West Conference tournament a week earlier.